At CIA, we work around the clock and across the globe to help keep Americans and others around the world safe. Secrecy is often vital to our work. But we're committed to sharing what we can, when we can. So let us be your guides around the halls of Langley as we open our files and speak with those who have dedicated themselves to this mission. These are their stories. This This is is The Langley Langley Files. Imagine for a moment that you're a CIA case officer on assignment to an adversarial country overseas. As you go about every minute of every day, you know that your adversary's security services are on a mission to spot and surveil intelligence operatives in their territory. That is to say, they're on a mission to spot and surveil you. But that's not the tough part. The tough part is you are there to conduct clandestine operations, such as secretly meeting with individuals who have information of vital national security importance to the United States, and often its allies and partners. Individuals who will be in grave danger if caught sharing that information with you. Individuals CIA has a solemn responsibility to protect. But how can you conduct your operations under the very nose of those adversarial security services trying to watch your every move? Well, if this were a Hollywood movie, you might sneak under the radar by donning a disguise so convincing it would fool your own family members. Indeed, many listeners are no doubt familiar with Mission Impossible's Miraculous Masks and the Academy Award-winning film Argo, in which Ben Affleck portrays a CIA disguise wizard on a mission to rescue imperiled Americans in Iran. And as our listeners also know, here in the Langley Files, we often dispel the many myths and misconceptions about CIA and popular culture. But this is one time that Hollywood fiction mirrors fact, because CIA does in fact use, and has always used, disguises. But how do CIA officers quickly transform themselves into someone else under pressure and surveillance? How do they choose their disguises? And above all, Who makes those disguises for them? Well, today on The Langley Files, you're going to find out, because you're going to hear from members of that very team. In just a moment, we'll be speaking with two currently serving CIA disguise experts. So stay tuned, because this is a first. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much for joining us here today. I know Walter and I were very excited that you were willing to come on the show and talk to us all about disguises. It was one of the episodes that I know Walter and I both wanted to get on the show and from the very beginning. From actually, the very beginning, was that was like the one of the tee ups. Like we have list. to get the disguise yeah. people in here, so we appreciate your time. Uh, Carrie, Joe, as Dee said, thank you so much for being here. And to kick things off, can we ask: Are you in disguise today, or is this really you? I don't know. I mean, if it's a disguise, it's sure lifelike. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good disguise. I think just let's periodically keep an eye on them yeah. to see if there's any tells. The real twist <laughs> would be when you, if we take off our disguises. Oh my gosh, and, uh, we should have done that. A twist all along. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Jokes on us. So off the bat, can we get your expertise on the difference between what is actually a disguise versus a costume? I mean, they both really have the same meaning. You're trying to look different than what you normally look like, right? So, but for disguise, for us, our our mission is to help save lives and change identities to protect people's true identity. 
Um, costumes are more fun. You know, you get a Sasquatch costume. That can't be a disguise walking around the hallway, you know. Uh, I mean, Halloween maybe. But <laughs> this is true. Um, but really, it's, you know, they're, they're almost one and the same. But at the same time, it's one is a little more, um, has a little more believability as you are impersonating another person or just trying to look like another person versus a character. And I, I definitely agree with everything she said. Um, and the key is disguise for us is creating that persona, not just the outward appearance. It's it's that realism, kind of like you're becoming the essence of someone else to really have that confidence to be able to sell this persona as you go and do your, you know, your operational acts. Yeah, we often tell our customers when we see them, you know, disguise that we issue is really only like 10% of a disguise toolkit. That 90% is on them. It's the way that they walk. It's their mannerisms. It's, you know, do you talk with your hands? Things like that. It's things that they don't really think about that we train them on um, noticing about themselves. It's a lot of self-analysis, not just the tools and the tradecraft. Um, it's, you know, training them on how to really look at themselves and, and determine if, you know, an adversary were watching me from across the street, am I giving myself away? I may have a wig on, but, you know, am I still doing everything I would normally do if I wasn't wearing a wig? So we teach them all of these things. And yeah, if I were to, you know, turn you, mm-hmm. uh, D, into say like a 90 year old man. Brilliant. Let's um, do it. <laughs> could you sell that? Got it. So it's more than just the 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 external. That makes absolute sense. Do, is it hard for people to get into that mode of kind of retraining their normal habits or their movements? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's part of the the extensive training that our officers have to go through. I mean, think about the adrenaline rush, right? Sure. And you, you know, you've got this whole disguise on. You're trying to be somebody else, but then your brain is focused on the operation that you're trying to complete. So. Um, with the adrenaline rush and everything, we're teaching, you know, slow down, don't forget, you know, there are certain techniques that we are able to teach them to do that help them remember the mannerisms that they're trying to create instead of just take away. We often get people in our chairs and they'll say, oh my gosh, I look just like my aunt or something, you know, my brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we tell them, well, think about that person. You know, what what are their mannerisms? What is it about them that if you saw them at the end of the hall, you'd say, I know who that is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then it's easier to kind of imagine that other person instead of trying to create somebody you've never met before. We instruct them to wear their disguise material as much as they can, even at home, Mm. um, just to be able to get used to seeing themselves in it. You know, look in the mirror and talk to yourself. And um, it is it it is acting. So and some of them don't have that acting background. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it does take a little extra time for them to get accustomed to it. But we always remind them we're not here to make you look better or worse, just (laughs) different. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, it's going to take a little time to get used to this new look. But, you know, once you once they get confident in it, smooth sailing. Yeah, we like to think of disguise not as really the materials, but think of it as a skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, we have officers come in and, you know, for any line of work that they do, you know, they have to learn new skill sets. And disguise is one of them. So because they might be suddenly in a different location without the gear we give them, but understand how to change their appearance reliably uh, based on the techniques that we can teach them. And to zoom out for a second here, we're talking about officers who are doing operations around the world. It might mean, just to throw out one example, meeting with a source, uh, someone in a foreign country who's giving us information of national security importance and trying to do so in a way that they wouldn't be recognized or spotted yeah. if exactly. they were under surveillance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Protect their identity and also and the to pr- and protect the source. Yeah. 
That's that's exactly what we do. Well, let's pull on that thread and talk more about why CIA needs disguises and have we always used disguises? Disguise itself goes back, you know, as far back as history, pretty much. Um, as long as there's been spycraft, there's been the need for disguise. Our office itself uh, actually has its roots in the OSS. And uh, we were talking a little bit about some of the artifacts you can see at the museum that actually talk about the different <laughs> disguise techniques that they were using back then for, you know, World War II support parachuting behind enemy lines and having entire kits to like help them make uh, insignias and paraphernalia to blend in uh, as German officers. So that's pretty wild to me that we've been doing this kind of stuff like from the get-go, right? Yeah. And for our listeners that haven't tuned into some of the previous episodes, the OSS is the Office of Strategic Services. That was our predecessor um, before CIA became CIA. So you're talking, you know, over 75 years ago that this tradecraft has been kind of embedded into what we do in our day-to-day operations overseas. Uh, we're actually one of the oldest surviving disciplines from the OSS days. Oh, that's cool. That is yeah. really cool. There's an old disguise manual from the OSS days. Really? I think we have like a copy floating around the office somewhere. And um, and it talks about like, okay, after you've jumped out of the plane and landed with your team, like make sure you have like your kit to like make um, German officer insignias to fit on a uniform that you can steal from someone nearby where they're stationed, like all kinds of wild stuff. Is the handbook still good? The root of it is good. So, like, you know, the basics are always solid. I wouldn't use lead uh, metal anymore (laughs) and, you know, some of that lead-based paint that they were talking about (laughs) to make some of their little things. But our materials have definitely evolved, and we're always looking to incorporate new technology whenever it's viable and uh, trying to scale to meet, uh, you know, critical mission need. And the fact that disguise is still one of the oldest technical skill sets used in the agency successfully. So it's one of those things that will probably never go away just because it's been around for so long and it's always been successful. So, Yeah, there will always be a need to meet with someone. And, and there's a lot, you know, there's always talk about, oh, the world is digital and virtual, but there is always going to be that need to do something in the physical. There's always that in-person, the, yeah. the contact. And just blending into an operating environment mm-hmm. and protecting yourself and your family. And, and we're a worldwide organization, so there's a multitude of variations of what somebody should be looking like or acting like exactly. based on the operation. So I'm assuming that the tradecraft that your your people bring into the department to make these disguises and teach the tradecraft is pretty extensive. Absolutely. We actually have a great diverse background of skill sets from all different types of backgrounds. Like I myself was a uh, illustrator, graphic designer, uh, cartoonist. Awesome. And, wow. Yeah. But we have folks that study fine art. We have folks that come from um, uh, cosmetic, uh, cosmetology backgrounds and even special effects backgrounds. And it's really, we're always looking for folks with just like the passion and like natural hand skills. Yeah. Like. You know, for me, I started, I came into the agency from the career of being a makeup artist. So when I came into the agency and I saw that we had a disguise department, obviously I beelined to that and worked to come over to that side of the house. And like Joe said, we have a lot of people that, you know, come from all different backgrounds, security, administrative. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is if folks just demonstrate the ability to do artistic work and have the hand skills to do you know, things with the arts and have a passion for it too, to be creative. Um, Most of the things in our job is trainable and coachable. And that's the nice thing about our office is there's so many different people from all different backgrounds that just come together with passion for the creative and art side of the world. 
I hope there's somebody listening to this whose job choices are like, you know, choice number one, Broadway, uh, makeup <laughs> yeah. artist, you know, or set designer, choice number two, CIA, and they're listening like, oh, maybe I don't have to choose. <laughs> Those choices are hard. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Um, so can we talk about you two then just for a little bit? Um, sure. You talked a little about your background, but what was it that made you join the agency to begin with if not for, like you said, you didn't even know that disguise was a thing here until you got here. So what made you want to join? I was actually looking for a job and I actually wanted nothing to do with the government. And I wanted to be um, in the art field, like somewhere in New York City, because mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that's the art center of the world. That's where I wanted to like pursue my passion to be an illustrator or a cartoonist. While I was waiting on just to get some basic interviews, um, a family member uh, who worked here they kept saying, hey, you know, we have an art department. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't want to do that. And he goes, no, come on, give me your resume, give me your resume. And um, they convinced me to submit a resume. And I got a phone call and they said, hey, do you want to come work for the CIA? We really, really like your work. And I said, wow, okay. So it just blew me away. And suddenly I was like, oh, this is wild. And, um, you know, got through all the, the processing and started my career. And I actually started out as a uh, graphic designer illustrator. And I ran into someone from the disguise department and they saw my work and they said, Hey, you know, you're really good. Um, I like your work. Would you like to come work for us? And I was like, Oh, cool. Who are you? <laughs> and they said, well, I'm from disguise. I went down there and I saw everything that we do and I just fell in love with it. And I, Pretty much like you know bet my career on i'm going to go and apply i'm going to try and um they accepted me and i've been there ever since that's excellent i'm going to ask the same question to you carrie so for me you know i was like i mentioned a makeup artist and i was working for a large corporation doing that so there was some travel and weekends and everything and i wanted a monday through friday nine to five and i applied online um cia.gov and that was right before the terrorist attacks of september 11th wow. So I applied in August, and then when that happened in September, um, I was contacted pretty shortly after because there was a huge hiring surge back mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. Um, you know. And but that's when the patriotism really started, you know, bubbling up because it's like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm really glad that this is the place that I'm potentially going to be employed in because you know, uh, just being able to help save lives or protect officers in the world that are helping to bring information that protects us back is amazing. So I got in the door and, you know, one of the great things about this organization is the ability to network. And through my initial classes and trainings and things like that, I just got to know a lot of people and some of them were officers that worked in the disguise department. And that's, you know, how I was introduced to it. And then just talking to them and, um, had the ability to help out and help, you know, make some things for um, the war zones and just overseas on my downtime. Um, And through that, they're like, you really like this, don't you? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) So uh, next time a vacancy came open, I jumped and I got it and I've been with them ever since. So I just can't imagine being anywhere else. It's one of those, you know, missions you join and it's very wholehearted. You feel rewarded. You you know, see the customers when they return from the field and you see, you know, the successful operations that have come out of things that you've helped them do. And uh, it just it's very fulfilling. Well, that's awesome. Can you talk to us maybe about what the day to day life is like in the disguise department? I mean, every day is different. One day you can yeah. have somebody going to Europe. Another day somebody's going to Africa. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 
Yeah, uh, it's it, that's one of the great things about the office is every day is going to be different. We supply the global mission. So we help everybody. And we're doing everything from making things in our different labs to constantly ordering materials and researching yeah, and then training. A lot training. of research and development, innovation. A um, lot of training. We lot provide of a training. lot of training. A lot of folks don't really, don't know that about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll have our customers come in and they have their mindset on what they feel that they need to, you know, go overseas with in their toolkit. And when we talk to them and sit down, we're like, that's great and all, but actually I think you, you might benefit from X, Y, Z. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that existed. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, you know, the day may begin uh, looking like it's going to go one direction and then do a total turn by the end of the day. So, yeah, so very fluid. Does anybody ever come in like, you know, I've always wanted to do a mustache disguise with their heart set on some, you know, like we some get a lot of requests for Brad to. Pitt. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> okay. And we tell them if we could make you look like Brad Pitt, we would. Yes. <laughs> or can you help me lose 20 pounds? No, sorry. Aww. We only can put on weight. We can't take off. Yep. It's easy to add. It's very, very hard yes. to take away. So that's a kind of a good lead into my next question for you guys. What does a disguise look like? So aside from what we envision in our head from those that work out, don't work for the agency, right? Um, Assuming you're adding weight where you can, are we talking you add tattoos, birthmarks? Like what makes your disguises distinct? If you can think of it, we could probably make it happen. Yeah. It Um, depends on what the requirement is. You know, where are they going? What do they need to look like? What um, environment are they blending into? You know, is it a subgroup that they would need to blend into in that country? Also, what is their operational window of time to apply it? But we typically can provide from head to toe several profile changes per officer. And I think like that's where the confusion gets. A lot of people assume that we're just like Hollywood and we've got somebody in a chair all day long applying things and makeup and spraying and all of this and gluing. But really, I mean, we are there to train the officers to be able to uh, independently disguise themselves because they're they're working quickly. They're walking down the street. They're turning a corner. Um, you know, we train them on how to take their pants off in public without anyone even noticing, and then changing into something else. And wow, yeah, it's so like Superman in the telephone booth. That's yes. what I'm envisioning right now. Yeah, plus plus plus. Yeah. Plus, plus, plus. Yes. <laughs> People don't see what they don't know they're looking for. Mm. That's so, a good point. I mean, for us, that's to our advantage, the phone usage today, right? Like people are looking at their phones constantly. And so that has helped our, it's yeah. like, okay, they're distracted. So you can get away with pretty much anything you want. Yeah, so, so think about today. Do you remember every single person you walked by today? No, I was thinking about this interview. I was, I was excited. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everyone's distracted. And exactly. Like everyone is the most important thing in their own universe. And so- we take advantage of that. And we also teach our officers to remember that mindset because it's very uh, counterintuitive, especially if you're going to start taking your pants off in a crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Could you say that today is tougher than ever for disguise based on the amount of tech that's around, but it's also in some ways paradoxically better than ever because people are distracted, fixated on their phones? I think um, it's kind of better than ever. And also Mm -hmm. we've never been more important because of the, the rise of technology. They were talking about, like, did you pay attention to everybody that you've seen today? And in my head, I'm thinking I'm staring at the two of them, and I still can't figure out if they're wearing disguises. Oh <laughs> so, <laughs> so no, the answer. I, I think Joe is. I, I think Joe be is. Sure. I'm totally sure he is. Could I ask a, a whimsical question, maybe? Sure. I'm scared. Whimsy. I love it. <laughs> uh, I'd never be afraid of whimsy. <laughs> do, do officers ever get lost 
in their disguised personas that you teach them, the mannerisms, the way of speaking. They're like, no, you need to let the captain go. You need to go back to being, you know, Paul or, or Joe or Mike or whatever. A funny story is I did have one officer, this was early on, who liked their look so much that when they came to pick up a month later their finished disguise product, they looked exactly like their disguise. Really? They had cut their hair, dyed their hair. Oh I was going to say oh, wow. that. Yes, yeah. that's happened to and me. I gave a nice blonde wig and the lady came back with bleached blonde hair. <laughs> and, she's and I'm like, like no, now we have to go back to square one. It's like makeover. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, but I'm like, uh, you, you, you know what you did, right? And they're like, but it looks so good. And I'm like, yeah. But now you can't be but that now, again. now I got to make you a new right. one. Yeah, right. And you're back into what you were yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. Like, Thanks for the compliment, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I'm glad I helped you find who you really want to be. But. Yeah. <laughs> for somebody that has no background in the skills that you both obviously um, are very steeped in, what is like the first step to making a believable disguise? Like, what is it that you first think about or what is it that you're working on? Uh, for me, it's it's you really are assessing the person. Like as soon as they walk through the door, I'm looking at them and I'm studying them and I'm already trying to decide how am I going to change this person? And that's just the visual side. Then there's also the research and like reading up on their operational requirements. Where are they going? Uh, what are they ultimately trying to do? So how extensive do we need to get? And then what are they really up against? So is that on the like the physical threat versus and also the technical threat mm. and that all comes into play when we're developing our, our disguise solutions yeah i mean some could be as simple as just giving you know a hat and a different bag um instructing on the officer paying attention to details like um you know what color is the sole of your shoe do you have reflective stripes on your shoes or your bags things like that you know will you be operating at night so headlights might shine on your reflective stripes you might want to tone that down mm -hmm. so these are all the like the fine minute things that people don't really think about but like um joe said yeah it's mostly just as soon as they come in we properly assess them um you know we do a, a questionnaire you know where are you going how long will you need it how often will you use it? Will it be a controlled environment, outside, inside, daytime, nighttime? A whole list of questions that we pretty much um, interview them and have these consultations with them prior to determining the tools that we add to their toolkit. We were saying when you guys first sat down that Joe seemed to be, you, you know, uh, sort of sizing us up for... Mm -hmm. Just, you know, that muscle of yeah, <laughs> disguise I, I, appraisal. I, I really want your face. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should add it to our library. Can you put it's a handlebar mustache on him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a want thing. To be the captain. <laughs> could be the yes. captain. <laughs> Finally. My disguise persona. Yeah, unfortunately, we, we get caught staring a lot. <laughs> get yelled at. Yeah, just part of the job. Yeah. Are there any instances in which a disguise caused more problems than it solved? Yes. Um, there was one incident, again, this is back in the war zone, where we apparently made our officers look so legit that as they rolled up to a particular checkpoint, that they looked too much like the opposition tribe that was in that region. And they basically got um, came under fire from the checkpoint because they looked too much like the adversary and uh, caused a big problem, but everyone was fine and very quickly were like tearing things mm. off. Um, later, I heard about this incident from one of the 
the the folks that was that it happened to and um and he told me all about it and i said oh i'm i'm sorry that happened to you he goes no no he goes oh i'm but hey could you give me another disguise because it got burnt up in the car oh my, oh my gosh i really liked yeah. all the stuff you gave me and i'm like uh yeah sure you know <laughs> but he was very he was very attached to the materials i had made him wow <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> um so no mishaps like rashes or allergic reactions or anything like that though on the far more minor side of the spectrum no everything that we issue um is medically cleared mm -hmm. um in our, from our in-house medical services and then we just use um, human safe items yeah and any new materials that any new products uh, we also test in-house as well especially on ourselves like i said before like mm -hmm. everyone tests a lot of stuff on me so. we even stick on adhesive mustache tapes that we'll test and you know you don't want to be in the middle of a meeting um, and your mustache starts to peel off. So we'll test a lot of the, the items before we issue them out. You actually have a mustache story. What's your mustache it, story? Um, so again, gave a, a disguise to an officer and again, got some great feedback. And this particular officer was with their inform, informant uh, being taken into this very like high level meeting at a restaurant. And a lot of very bad people and dangerous people in this room. Um, and he was just there to observe and just like take notes. And, um, but the food that was, that had been ordered for the group was, I guess, like hot pot. And when they opened up the bowl, the steam hit his face oh and God. the glue from the mustache actually started to, to dissolve and his mustache started to do the whoop. Oh, and so he said he spent the entire hour just kind of going, mm-hmm. Pensively. Yeah, like yeah. holding it in place um, until he was able to excuse himself to go to the bathroom and like do a quick reapply. But it was like a totally unexpected thing that affected um, his disguise. I guess so, right? But this just, uh, I'd like just like to shout out to the, like the amazing talent and skill of our officers that yeah. have to do these kind of things. And yes. yeah, the wherewithal to know that that's happening yeah. in the yeah. environment that he's in enough to keep it in place yep. to excuse himself yeah. the composure but also like the adrenaline that i'm sure was going on in yeah. his own body yeah. that's crazy like joe and i joke all the time like laugh about how we could never wear disguises it's just it's too much it's it's hot it's itchy yeah. it's you know yeah and then to be doing an operation at the same time and and just having that adrenaline rush and everything it's it's too much like we're we're totally happy just making them <laughs> and issuing them i i give it to our case officers who um don them all the time to successfully yeah. complete operations absolutely yeah, that's yeah. incredible they're trying to throw us off the scent, Walter. Yes. <laughs> Still definitely wearing disguises. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're in for a surprise. <laughs> so you guys really love Halloween, or are you just over it by the time you know October 31st no, rolls I, around? I think we all have a sweet spot in our hearts for Halloween. Yeah. I love Halloween. It's um, so expected from yes, our group anyway. That's, that's if we don't do it, they're like, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> yeah. um, but we have a lot of fun with it for sure. So do you, you yourselves dress up for Halloween, like outside of work? Like, do you go to parties and try to, like, fool oh, yeah. your friends or something? Oh, yeah. And I, I'm sure Joe, you know, can agree that most people, when we're at these Halloween parties or functions, are impressed with our our costumes mm -hmm. and then wondering, how did you get it to look so good? Yeah. I, I'm just, you know. It's, it's classified. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, already I'm trying to plan out my next one. Are you really? Yeah. And usually it starts at, like, the beginning of the year. That's um, like, it's straight up what Walter over there does. Well, <laughs> well you just need to come visit us, Walter. Yeah, you have to come to our next Halloween yeah. party. Yes. 
<laughs> well, it reminds me, has there ever been a really cool recruitment story of a disguise expert from the outside world at you know, a Halloween conference or Hollywood or Broadway or something like that? They're doing a lot of similarities to what we need to do. So, you know, if there's any that can give us um, tips and tricks and, you know, and we, we often research what's the latest um, materials out in the industry, whether it's makeup artistry or adhesives and things like that. Yeah, we're always, we're always looking to see what industries um, parallel as much as possible what we're doing. And it comes from a lot of different sources, especially on the special effects side. We're always researching. We're always looking. We're always listening. Yeah. And, and we've been able to find some really, really cool stuff that way. The kid out there is like, man, theater or CIA. Seriously. So I need to know, do you, both of you, have a particular favorite disguise that you've created? Of course, what you can share. Well, it was a joint effort. I just want to say that. It was <laughs> across the team, which is one of the reasons why it was so one of my favorites, because it wasn't just one particular discipline. It was a combination of everybody uh, to pull off an, a really awesome thing. And I'll speak in very, very generalities. So we had an officer that was in a high threat area, and they were under 24-7 surveillance. And they had, I believe, a 10 to 12 person physical surveillance team on them. So they, by the way, they're a rock star. This officer just totally blown away with how capable they are. We worked with them for about a week straight uh, in country. And when the time came, this officer went to their specified location as, hey, this is part of my daily routine. And within basically under five minutes, walked right back out as the complete opposite gender and just from head to toe and, and combined all the different disciplines to this particular person to master, to, um, to pull this off. And then literally walked past their 12 person surveillance team that surrounded the, the area and they never even picked up on them. And, um, the kicker was as they got through the, that circle, they, went to go pick up a taxi and the taxi that arrived out popped one of their known surveillance that was late to the party and held the door open for them What? when they got in and then went off and did their thing. Yeah. This, this officer is a true rock star. Now imagine yeah. just the, the courage to pull oh, yeah. that off. That's I'm, I'm utterly impressed by this officer. It's amazing. Cool under pressure. Way cool under pressure. And made our yeah. stuff look good. Yeah. Well, obviously yeah. so. We always call those our true players. Yeah, like, right? We give them everything we feel that they need to be successful, and then they just push it even farther. And then when they come back with their success stories, we are just blown away because yeah. we're like, wow, like they totally took what we gave them and made it into something even better. Yeah. You thank know? you for letting us help enable that. That's yeah. amazing. Oh That's a great story. To be that person that moment, too. Yeah. Having the door held for you by your surveillance right. as you walk past them. Jeez. And Just I mean, like, man. you know, <laughs> you're lighting a cigarette and everything and puffing away when you don't yep. even smoke just to add to that believability. Just to really sell it. Like this individual truly yep, total knew what they were doing. I mean, it Likewise. does. It just does speak to like the skill set and abilities that our officers portray on a daily basis, but also the extent of which our operations put them in positions Absolutely. where they feel like they have to do something like that. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah. So I have one last fully bonkers question. Are all of our disguises human beings? Hmm. That 
That's a very that's a long good question. Pause. That's a really that's good a question. That's a really good one. I can get very existential with that one. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, I'm reminded of Carmen Sandiego, the video game mm-hmm. when I was a computer game when I was a kid, and there was this one animation of like a tree that would stand up, blink, and walk past in disguise. I thought you were totally going like the UFO alien route there for a second. Well, I was thinking trees or furniture, but yeah. we're getting all kinds of listeners now with that tag. <laughs> that bird is watching me. Um, Birds are real. I guess. Well, I guess the best I could say is um, just we'll use whatever is appropriate. And not, we're not like even our day to day, sometimes we feel like we're getting into a pattern, but there's always like cool, extreme projects to break away from the norm. And again, we've got an amazing team of people to help, you know, just make all this cool stuff happen. That's really awesome. We're only limited by our imagination. No better way to wrap that up, right? (laughs) Walter's going to be staring at all the trees now when he leaves today. (laughs) Walk back to my car. (laughs) I should have come dressed as a tree. Oh my gosh, that would have been amazing. (laughs) Totally would have noticed. Um. (laughs) It's been fantastic to like talk more about what we do. Yeah, I mean, obviously we can't, we couldn't get too into the weeds about things, but just having the ability to talk about what we do and our passion for it and... Our mission is, is, you know, it's really cool because we don't really get to talk about this to the public. So, um, yeah, I mean, like we mentioned, the skill sets, it's it varies. And as long as you have a passion for art and creativity and you have good hand skills, we welcome anybody to, um, you know, come on board and train and learn and be a disguise officer. Carrie, Joe. Thank you very much. You're it's welcome. been a pleasure talking hey, to you. We yes. are very excited. You fulfilled one of our checklist must-haves, so we really appreciate you being here. And thank you for what you guys do. Honestly, at the at the heart of everything, those folks can't do what they do without you. So thank, thank you, you very much for, for all that you do. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. So, Walter, we, we sat here for a really long time with, with Carrie and Joe. And maybe I'm just bad at picking up on stuff, but I'm pretty sure that was the real them. I don't remember seeing a wig or makeup or... I'm I'm less convinced. I'm pretty sure that mm-hmm. Joe's nose started to droop partway in, and that Carrie's eyes were blue when she came in and uh, brown when she left. So I obviously would not make a good case officer. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would not say that. But I do think we should stop by their shop sometime and uh, find out the truth for ourselves and maybe try and some of those items they talked about. Maybe they could dress us up as trees. Trees? I like it. All right. <laughs> um, and speaking of trees, in our last episode, we posed the following. In the quiet natural surroundings of CIA's headquarters here in Langley, Virginia, our agency officers can often take a stroll to enjoy some much-needed fresh air and soothing scenery. There are times, however, where officers are not alone in their wanderings. There happens to be a particular woodland animal that frequents the grounds here and often seems quite at home amongst the people and the buildings. In fact, this known creature has become somewhat of an unofficial mascot of the CIA. So our question was... Which type of animal is often a spectator of the employee's outdoor adventures here at headquarters? Well, obviously, this could be many different types of woodland creatures, but the one that's been deemed our unofficial mascot is, believe it or not, a fox. That's right, a fox that agency officers fittingly refer to as mischief. Mischief is a headquarters staple, having acclimated to his human neighbors or at least we assume so, Mischief the Fox can often be seen hanging out in different locations around the compound. You know, 
There's been oftentimes I've ran into mischief, not physically, but he seems like he just doesn't even care that a person's within like 20 feet of him. <laughs> He's that CIA cool under pressure. That he is. He's a cunning little guy. Um, speaking of cunning, let's try another trivia question. On this episode, we discussed the lanes to which CIA officers go in order to change their identity to ensure their affiliation with CIA remains unknown. However, there are some times in which CIA officers and their sources need to be sure that who they're meeting with is a friend and not a foe. So these individuals might wear something to guarantee that the other person understands their affiliation. One example of using this tradecraft comes from the 1950s. Russian Lieutenant Colonel Popov, who was the first GRU Soviet intelligence officer to spy for the United States, wore a particular clothing accessory in order to ensure the CIA case officer meeting him knew who he was. So our question is, what was this accessory? Our listeners will have to tune in to the next episode to hear the answer. Or they can take their sleuthing skills over to our YouTube channel and see if they can figure it out right now. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Until next time, we'll be seeing you. Hey D, check this out. What what are you what are you doing, you guys? Oh my gosh, he's he's taking a mask off. Are you serious this whole time, Walter? This whole time.